It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. Oh! The one is now. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. When's Ohio State ever come to Missoula? The answer is never. It's a pretty impressive coup that the University of Montana soccer team's got the Buckeyes coming to the zoo uh, to play them there on Sunday afternoon. You want to go? We got two tickets for you. 406-888-1029. Quickest to the draw. 888 Call us right now. For some Grizz soccer tickets versus Ohio State. Speaking of the University of Montana, one of our favorite colleagues and contributing guests and I caught up last night. Well, it doesn't actually even really matter if we actually know what we're talking about because we're almost always talking about the same things here uh, on the business angle. Justin Angle, do a little late night recording with us. You're listening on a Tuesday. We're doing this Monday night post show. He just happened to be on this side of town. So said, swing on by. Let's uh, let's bust it out. Uh, first of all, great job the other uh, weekend at the uh, at the Wilma, man. Oh, I, thanks. It, it was yeah. cool seeing you up on stage. And I was with my buddy. I was like, I know that guy. Right. Uh, we, we, it was a book reader reading for uh, David James Duncan. Duncan's new novel, Sunhouse, which uh, just the brief passages that he read sounds like just an epic opus. It's wonderful. Uh, but the, uh, the the first hour was a, a Q&A with you and one of your other uh, radio colleagues, as well as uh, the author himself. Uh, an equally challenging and fascinating interview, I think, because David James Duncan, you could tell very much did not like really being sort of the, the, the under the spotlight in the center of the Wilma stage. You can also tell he's at the same time a very uh, brilliant and scattered guy, which is not that surprising for a you know, world-renowned author like himself, but uh, he got him into the flow. And he, once he settled in, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd go so far to say he, he didn't like being in the spotlight. Um, I, I think he... He does plenty of, of speaking, mm-hmm. a lot of ad- advocacy work and activism work, but you know, he put, this is his first novel in 31 years and Crazy, worked on it for right? 16 years. So I think there was a, a level of, um, not so much nervousness, but the, but a real sort of feeling of, um, pouring your life into it in many ways for sure. and having some apprehension about how that work would be received. Um, you know, and I also think like, you spend that much time as a writer. It's kind of a, an individual pursuit and um, like b- being on stage in the spotlight has just got to be to some degree uncomfortable. No, for sure. And I mean, you know, you, you, you gave me a copy of your new book that's going to be out soon. This is Wildfire is what the title is. It's an extension of the uh, the Great Fireline podcast that uh, you and Nick Mott put together. Um the most fascinating part, I don't want to spend too much time on David James Duncan, but he really is a, an interesting figure to me, 
he talked about how so often so many writers they they want to temper the characters within their own story or yeah. they want to control them rather than letting the characters control the author. He also talked about how most writers just want their book to be done and how he didn't want to because he was having so much fun and, and so much uh, sort of gratification from hanging out with these characters that he's created over the yeah. last 16 years. I was thinking to myself, man, I've written so many words and I've written so much stuff. And I've only been doing this for 17 years, and he worked on one thing for almost that entire time. The patience they would have to do that is just unreal. Well, even beyond that, I mean, he he basically has been, and he and he said this that I don't know if this was on stage or in our in our preparations, but he said he's been working on the same story his entire life. Right. And that you know, if you look at Sun House and the Brothers K and the River Y, his three novels. They're really 17 novellas. And he said he's never really dedicated the time to it, but I don't want to quote him directly, but something along the lines of it wouldn't be too hard to tie all these characters together. Mm. So there's some, even within the 16 years of toiling on a single book, there's a, a broader arc of how this whole host of characters and themes tie together. And, and to me, that's just so Amazing to to think that that level of complexity can be held in a single brain. Justin Angle here at the ESPN Empty Studio with us here on this Monday evening. It's the Business Angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. I, I said I said it doesn't matter if we actually know what we're talking about because you had never heard of the Sugar Show. You'd never heard of Sean O'Malley. Right, yeah. uh, Sean O'Malley took at least a certain portion of the world by storm on Saturday night. He became the first UFC champion ever from Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it in thrilling fashion with a second round knockout of Aljamain Sterling, who's widely considered the greatest bantamweight in UFC history. Uh, the highlights obviously went ri- viral anytime you have a knockout like that. But this just adds already to the the sort of rapid rise of this kid. The UFC has pinned him as one of their sort of main stars. And then he does this. In his first title fight ever, it's at the Boston Garden. Wow. He, you know, he, he, he's Sean O'Malley. And so, and what did you got, say, like seven minute knockout? Yeah, I mean, it was two minutes, less than two minutes into the second round. Wow. You know, and, and then you throw in the fact that he's got the multicolored hair and he's probably the biggest proponent outwardly of cannabis of any <laughs> professional athlete. And he's got, he's one of the only guys that's got endorsement deals from weed companies. And, sure. you know, He's got this take no prisoners attitude. He's got the Irish flow. He's like Conor McGregor reincarnate kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think this kid has the opportunity now to to really see his star rise completely into the stratosphere. He's going to be the face of the UFC after what happened on Saturday night. And the fact that he's from Helena, Montana is pretty cool. But it's also a weird dynamic because this guy's world famous and yet he's only sort of fringe famous in Montana. Yeah, and that sort of is, is, I think it's less about the being fringe famous in Montana and just the notion that, you know, you can be white hot famous to a certain segment of the population That's and, right. and completely unknown to another. And I'm a case in point example of that. Like this totally. guy, O'Malley's got what, 5 million followers on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. a huge platform, high profile um, and for a certain segment of the population, they know everything about him, but I'd never even heard of the guy. And it just sort of illustrates how media has proliferated in such a way that it has created so many more pathways to becoming a celebrity. 
I mean, this guy's got talent in a sport. Like a lot of these folks don't, don't no, really have sure, a particular sure. talent and they can become famous in their own little ecosystem. Well, that, that's why this is cool. We talked about Jake Paul last week yeah. and, and Jake Paul has just done this from, he's famous for being famous and he keeps doing these yeah. like fame accentuating things. Sean O'Malley is famous because of how he acts and how he does his hair, but he's also famous because he's got the best right hand in the history of the bantamweight division. He is an elite fighter, so at least that part he's got figured out. It's, it's not just this sort of pleasantry like some of these other sort of uh, influencers. Yeah, are. he certainly backs it up. Like, there's right. a compelling story, and so his fame is, is uh, I'm not trying to say it's illegitimate, but it is definitely, like, cordoned off to a segment of the population. And it's just a, it's just a strange phenomena that you can be that white hot famous and still be unknown. You know, think about, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't really, there certainly weren't as many celebrities, right? but those celebrities were more broadly known. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's so much of that is the way that we consumed all of this stuff. There used to be way less channels on the TV and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Justin Engel joining us here on Nuanas now. The other part about O'Malley is if the history of the UFC shows us anything, he better enjoy this while it lasts yeah, yeah. because the shelf life is just so small for these guys. You could be the biggest star in the promotion, and two years later, if you don't keep winning, you're you're gone. You're irrelevant. You're not even in the, in the UFC anymore. Yeah, there is, I think you put that well, a very short shelf life, probably similar to, you know, an NFL player. What is the, the tenure of an NFL running back is like a season right, right, and a half right, or something. Totally right. Um, you know, and just the competing at that level, but also just the brutality of that sport. It's really hard to, to keep up that level of performance. Um, it's almost akin to like you know, rock and roll bands and heavy metal bands. Like they became famous with sex, drugs and rock and roll. And then as soon as their flame caught, as soon as their, you know, star caught fire, they burned themselves out. No, it's so true. Uh, Speaking of fame, though, we talked about Patrick Mahomes and sort of his stardom a couple weeks ago. We were talking about the Sports Illustrated power issue, Mm. but we were talking about Mahomes yesterday, too. Because there's just so many things that go into sustained success in modern sports now, especially when you become truly pop culture famous. Mahomes is more than just NFL famous now. He's pop culture famous. He's so famous that people know about his brother and his wife and his life. And he did this documentary on Netflix that everybody watched. And I just think that Overexposure, we've seen the perils of that over and over and over again, whether it's Lance Armstrong or Tiger Woods or, you know, fill in the blank anywhere. But I also think there's so many factors that are, I know you've been watching quarterback. I think there's a lot of factors that go into why Mahomes might be sort of above this. I don't know if he is going to, I mean, nothing lasts forever. And this guy's not just going to win the next 15 Super Bowls. But barring like an injury or some sort of catastrophe, I really don't think that a lot of the other stuff that can be pitfalls for someone of this level of fame, I don't know if, if, I'm not going to say he's impervious to all of it, but it doesn't doesn't seem as, as big of a factor for him. Well, at least the character that is displayed in the quarterback series seems like a pretty simple guy, a guy who is committed to his family and his community and and playing football at a high level and a really good teammate. And just he just comes comes across as down to earth and genuine. And so those are probably attributes that will serve him well and will continue to serve him well as his career advances. The other piece of it, and you know more about this than I, but his games is, is, is really risky. And you see that he trains specifically for the, the style of play that he employs, but 
he throws it all out there on every given play. Yes. And, you know, that's just the, the numbers are not in his favor as far as durability goes in playing in that style. Now, he's probably a good enough a- athlete to adjust and adapt over time. And we've seen that in some of the games where he's been injured. Um but yeah, this notion of overexposure, it, it doesn't appear that at least the current um, portrayal of Patrick Mahomes is not of a guy who seems tempted by the pitfalls of fame. Sure. You know, the hanging around with the wrong people and right. being distracted. That's the funniest part about the show is after every game, he's not going anywhere but home. Yeah, he's going hanging out with his buddies. Everybody comes over to his house, but they're not going out. They're not going to a restaurant or a club or anything like that. They're just going home. Yep. It seems pretty simple. <laughs> it seems pretty and, simple. you know, part of it, I wonder, too, because the series is is, um, is produced by Peyton Manning. Yeah. And the three characters that they've they selected, Kurt Cousins and Marcus uh, Mariota. Marcus Mariota, yeah. they're all pretty like down to earth. For sure. Basic dudes that are yeah, like right. going to the clubs and totally. you know, having bottle service at the table and all those sorts of things. And you wonder like is that was that a tactical choice by Peyton Manning to For sure. to kind of pursue stories of quarterbacks who pursued the game in the same way he did, not necessarily stylistically, sure. but sort of the the player ethic. Well, and, and as Coach Marty, Marty Mordeweg said uh, last time he was in, all the pitfalls that you got to worry about with young players in the NFL when it comes to the fame and the money, they happen in the offseason. Because during the season, I mean, you're required to be at the facility right, for like right. 13 to 14 hours a day. Yeah. Chances are on Monday, you probably can't walk because of the game that you just played in. Tuesday's your rehab day. Then Wednesday through Friday, you're getting ready for the next game. And then you got to go get in a car wreck again on Sunday over and over again. So, you know, I, I do think that there is a little, I mean, I, I do think it's genuine that these guys just go home during the year because I just think it's so busy. Yeah, that um, that rigor is kind of is 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 pretty well known. And you're right; they build out these guys' schedules and on so many dimensions, whether it's film study or supplemental training or rehab or game prep. Um, it, you know that that the 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 series does a really good job of getting into complexity yeah. of of the preparation that these guys go sure. through. And, you know, I, I get a little bit of an insight to that in my role on campus. So, you know, I sort of get to understand the constraints on the players as far as the, you know, all the different things they need to do outside of practice and how their time is, is pretty darn choreographed that, yeah, the opportunity to, I mean, the trade-offs become very clear. Like you're going to have to go out after curfew, take a big risk and, probably not be able to perform the next day if you if you you, you, indulging in some of that bad behavior is going to have a pretty immediate cost i would think in the sport of professional football justin angle in studio with us it's the business angle presented by blackfoot communications visit goblackfoot.com to see how blackfoot can help you and your small business um last thing about mahomes i also think that he's got some stuff that really helps him when it comes to sort of uh, not falling into the pitfalls. His father was a professional athlete, mm-hmm. so he's got a blueprint there. Yep. Um, I know a lot of people on social media and stuff think his wife is annoying, but she seems, but she certainly shows up for him. I, I do think that sort of stability helps you a lot. LeBron James's wife has been integral in his success yeah, and, as well. And Mahomes' wife was a college athlete. She's right. involved in professional athletics. They've herself. known each other forever, so it's, she's not just dating him because he's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. She knew Patrick Mahomes when he was in seventh grade, and right. you know I think that helps for sure. 
Uh, but more than anything, I think you see the institutional infrastructure that's provided as well. The Chiefs are paying this guy $60 million a year. Yeah. They're, they are going to do whatever it takes for him to succeed because they're making such a huge investment in him. And that comes from everything from the organization to Andy Reid to uh, the training and all the stuff he embarks on. And then I think there's the last factor is that he's in Kansas City. I think that that really has an influence as well. He's just in this Midwestern, mid-sized market. He's not in Chicago or New York or L.A. Yeah, I mean, that certainly worked for Aaron Rodgers. Like, he was protected yep. from a lot of media scrutiny. Um you know, and we'll see how it plays out with him in New York now for at sure. a different stage of his career, for sure. But guys like that, guys like Brett Favre in these smaller markets, um, and arguably Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, although he had a, you know, a huge, uh, a, well, I don't know if he had a larger profile. It's Patrick Mahomes has already won as many Super Bowls, No, for right? sure, right? So, but I do think that kind of grounding protects you. And we've talked about this in this series Many times, like how well run the NFL is relative to the other professional sports sure. franchises or uh, leagues. And part of that is how they protect their assets. That's not to say, like, there's been plenty of cases of NFL players going off the rails and, no and being, you know, given in to, to temptation and bad behavior and, and whatnot. Um, but as you said, during the season, and if you're that high value a player, particularly in a, in a, in a position like quarterback where you just have to have command of, of such a, a, a vast array of, of, of knowledge um, and work so intimately with the coaches that, yeah, the opportunity to um, just the opportunities for foul play become so much fewer. Well, and that's the last thought that I had on this was that, first of all, Signing a, a multi a hundred hundreds of millions of dollar deal with the Los Angeles Lakers is a lot different than anything you can experience in the NFL just because of all of the different temptations that come with that, but also the exposure. Like, I guess what I'm saying is it's a lot more tempting if you're a Los Angeles Lakers player to go out to a Hollywood party than it is for Patrick Mahomes to go to any party that might happen after a Chiefs game on a Sunday in Kansas City. Uh, and and then there's this also the part where like I think you just said it. Perfectly. Patrick Mahomes can't not be at his best on Sundays. James Harden can show up and just play basketball, man. Like, I really do think James Harden goes out late night in the club. He talks about it on his Instagram all the time. Right. And guess what? He has to play till seven o'clock two nights later, and he's going to be fine. <laughs> He'll be ready to roll. Yeah, and there's 81 the games. There's 81 right. games, and, and all he's got to do is dribble. And I'm not demeaning the skill of James Harden or any other NBA player. Patrick Mahomes has to, like, basically ace what would be a graduate-level course every weekend, James Harden could just shoot free throws and shoot threes and score 25 points. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some truth to that. The, the basketball being a, uh, a simpler game, in a yeah. way, as far as the preparation goes. And whether the game itself is simple or not relative to football, just think of the flow of the season. you got 81 games, so you're playing exactly. a game like... Every other night, you know, three out of five nights. If you win 50 out of the 82, you're great. You're in the playoffs. And beyond that, like just the day-to-day flow, like a game itself is really, is really, takes a big toll. And then, so what do you do the next day if it's a game day? Maybe you, you know, have a little bit of rehab, you have a walkthrough, a shoot around. There's just not much, there's a lot more time built in for recovery, um, alone time, probably unstructured time for these athletes just because of the grueling, there's so much time of the season is put into the games itself. If if James Harden didn't come to shoot around or practice, 
it would be a story, but they couldn't do anything about it. Whoever he's playing yeah, for, they couldn't yeah. do anything about it. I'm, I'm like channeling Alvin, uh, 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 Alan Iverson in my head <laughs> exactly. that you talk about practice. Exactly, yeah. right? Whereas if Mahomes didn't show up to like a Tuesday film, that would be like a matter of national security. People would be freaking out about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it says a lot about football in general. Uh, it's Duan is now the business single presented the no by... no fun league. That's exactly right. Uh, on the NFL, though, Eric, so have you have you had a chance to see Hard Knocks? It's okay if the answer is no. I've watched a little bit of it, okay. not the recent season. Okay, so the, what's going on with Hard Knocks right now is actually unprecedented. People are talking about the Jets for sure, and that, that's to be expected. Sure. Anybody that's on Hard Knocks, you know, they're, they're the team that's being talked about during the preseason. But the, the reason this is unprecedented is twofold. One, the, the, the NFL franchise gets the choice to be on Hard Knocks or not, and this is the first time the NFL ever overrided a team. Robert Sala said, we do not want to be on Hard Knocks, and the NFL said, too bad. Really? You're on Hard Knocks. Okay. So there's one part of it. Two... Hard Knocks is always, like, when they're doing a team that has stars, they touch base on the stars early on, and then the whole rest of the series is about all the guys that are trying to make the roster. Right. It's all the walk-on type sure. guys that are trying to fight their way, and you fall in love with these guys because they're these upstart stories, and then sometimes they become stars, and yada, yada, yada. This is all about the stars. This thing's, the whole thing's about Aaron Rodgers, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not going to say I'm surprised. Of course it is. But... It's uh, it's just interesting that they're, they've gone away from a formula that's worked for 23 years to a different formula, but I think more people than ever are watching it. Well, and, and who knows, like, how do you define what's, what works? Like, sure, you, said, right. you just said in the same sentence, like, what works, and yeah, then more right. people than ever are watching no, it. Right, so that right. they, if they change it up and, it, and it's affected the ratings. So true. Um, the question is, like, what is the durability of that model? Right. Right? And is the NFL about stars, or is it about uh, role players and, and teams? stories and whatnot. So going all in on a star, even somebody like Aaron Rodgers, yeah, it, it poses some risk, particularly this late in his career. He's probably not growing fan share, although maybe he's growing fans in New York. Another particularly interesting... Uh, to, just, to, just touch on that point, though. I think that, again, this is just like with the, the quarterback thing. Yeah. It could all just be propaganda. Sure. Well, I mean, I think we need to assume it is. Uh, for sure. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is coming across a billion times cooler than anybody has portrayed him over the last several okay. years. Part of that has been his own fault. Yeah. I think most people that that don't like Aaron Rodgers like person like his shtick that he's been doing the last couple of years, they just see that he's just been made it all about himself. I mm -hmm. mean, he goes about on Pat McAfee's show to talk about himself every week. Yeah. I think people get tired of that. But then you watch this and you're like this guy's the coolest guy I've ever seen. Like, he's brilliantly smart. He's so funny. He's got connections with people all over the NFL. Every time they're practicing, he knows everybody, goes, says hi to everybody. I don't know, man. It's it's definitely changed my opinion about him quite a bit. And I, I don't think that you can have as long and successful a career as Aaron Rodgers had in a leadership role like quarterback without being a liked teammate. That's true. And, you, you, you know, People take shots at him for you know how what he says on the Pat McAfee show. Teammates don't take shots at him. That, that's right, right. You never hear I mean, teammates saying that he's selfish or he's not passing to me of or his whatever. Teammates followed him to New York. Exactly. I mean, so, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb are both like, oh, well, I'm going to go with that guy. So I think that you know, in, in a lot of this stuff, you mentioned propaganda before. You got to separate signal from noise. Yeah. Right. Right. And and I think like you, you saw that a lot with a, an example of Tom Brady. Like his celebrity was portrayed in a certain way. Yep. But like. Players will renegotiate their contracts to play with him. And then right. maybe that's just because they want to get a ring. Who sure. knows? 
in the case of Aaron Rodgers, like, yeah, he's, he's you never hear players, teammates complaining about him. You never hear opposing players saying, you know, he's, he's a cheap shot artist or anything like that or dirty player or whatever. Like, he's got to be, chances are he's pretty well respected. And those are the signals that I think you give you probably more reliable insight into somebody's uh, personality and character. And I also think that, uh, first of all, all good things come to an end. It was over multiple years ago in Green Bay. And I, think yeah. I thought they just drug it out. And I think that hurt both sides of the narrative. Sure. They, they should have just... You know, started giving Jordan Love more and more reps and got ready for the future, and they should have just cut bait with Aaron Rodgers and not let. I mean, the drama of last season, Aaron Rodgers had to just drag the the yeah. otherwise pretty not very good Packers into the playoffs. And uh, so I don't know. I, I, I'm glad that it's over. I think the last dynamic here, though, too, is that the Jets are an incredibly young team with an incredibly young coach. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the funniest part about this is they're interviewing Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and stuff. These guys are talking about when they first w- saw Aaron Rodgers win a Super yeah. Bowl. They were like 10 when, right. he, when that was happening because they're like in their early 20s. Yep. So I, I do think there's different leadership styles, but I think that when now you're this regal old man who's been in the league for as long as these guys have even been alive, your leadership shifts a little bit. You got a, lot, a little bit different level of respect. Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting too, as you, we see as athletes are playing later into their careers. And I think too, at, at the younger end, football's a little bit more controlled, but um, younger players getting into starting roles sooner in some of the major sports, like this overlap of generations seems much mm-hmm. more common. It's, it's not necessarily you know, ordinary, but it's much less uncommon than it was before. I mean, I think of like that novelty of Ken Griffey senior playing right. on with Ken Griffey junior. That was like the old man and the kid. Right. And it seemed like it just sort of a, a, a freak of the actuarial table that had actually happened. But now it's, it's seems like an ordinary thing and an interesting storyline to pay attention to. I mean, when LeBron James is approaching the point where not only could he maybe have the possibility to play with one of his sons, but also he's certainly going to have a teammate sooner or later that was born after he's been in the NBA. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Tr- it's truly amazing. Last thing on this, and then we'll get you out of here. The business cycle presented by Blackfoot Communications. So you got Aaron Rodgers, you got the Jets, you got this team with a ton of hype around it. They got some of the best young players in the league. Garrett Wilson was the offensive rookie of the year last year. Sauce Gardner was the defensive rookie of the year last year. Robert Saleh is coming off as an excellent coach in this. He, I think his, his uh, sort of steadfast nature is, is pretty apparent in mm-hmm. this series. Is there any way that this could make the NFL even more popular? Like, what sort of what sort of gain can they get from having this like superstar driven hard knocks this well, year? Well, you know, I, I think the question is less about hard knocks and more about how do the New York Jets do, and how important to the NFL is it to have a team in New York performing at a really high level. Mm, good point. You know, it's 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 been when was the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl in the in the Eli it's, Manning it's, years? It's been a decade uh, probably. Yeah, and I Maybe feel a little like bit longer. in that decade the NFL has sort of really kind of separated itself from the other leagues even more in terms of its just singular domination of professional sports market share. Yeah. And so it'd be, it would be hard to do an analysis comparing you know, to, to really understand how important it is to the NFL to have a dominant team in a media market like New York. You know, it was one thing when the Rams won in LA recently, that LA's not really a football town. Right. You know, the Jets are a storied franchise. New York is yes. such a sports town. For sure. 
Um, and, and the part about that is so unique about the Jets is the Jets have not been actually really good since oh. Joe Namath. Yeah, yeah, forever. But, but they, yeah, they've, they've only even ever been kind of good, and they still have one of the biggest fan bases in the, all of, of sports <laughs> because of where the, the boroughs that they cater to. And because, and like you're saying, New York people are just crazy for sports. And you want to know what New York people don't do? They don't change teams. They don't. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they have that enduring loyalty. For sure. In, in spite of how the team does. And, you know, I don't know New York sports inside and out, but the it does seem like the Jets are more the New Yorkers team than the Giants. Yeah, and Part of that sure. might be because Giants played in New Jersey right. for, for so long. Totally. And do the Jets play over there now? Well, so they, yeah. they, they both share the Meadowlands. I'm actually not sure where we're at with that. Yeah. Uh, but either way, it, there's a whole bunch of cultural factors that go into this. 100%. Nuwana Zal, ESPN Radio, the business angle presented uh, by Blackfoot Communications. Justin Angle, University of Montana business professor, uh, recording this on a Monday night. Uh, thanks for coming in, man. This was a good one. Thank you. A new book from an old friend, Jeff Welch, the author of Montana Greats, an A to Z of the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. He'll join us next. He'll be right here. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio. Jewelry Design Center is not your average jewelry store. The friendly, welcoming staff is so excited to be in Montana, and the craftsmanship, unique creativity, care, and artisanship you'll receive at the Jewelry Design Center is second to none. Is there anything you guys can't do? We don't cut diamonds, <laughs> okay, yeah. but we can facilitate that. <laughs> right. It's unique that we cast our own metal, we grow our own models, we hand carve, as well as use computer-aided technology to design. We're pushing the limits of what we had previously thought was impossible. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Welcome back, everybody. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio. If you're watching on SWX Montana Television or streaming on the ESPN MT app, just had to run out in the uh, the common room real quick, get the bot- water bottle, you know. Got some more talk radio to do. Hope you have a great day and a great start to your week. Uh, you can feel it. High school football starts on Friday night. Grizz have a bunch of stuff going on in town, both the volleyball team and the soccer teams. And to everybody else ramping up into gear, less than two weeks away from college football, it's that time of year. I came up with this. Oh, this is, I mean, it's a pretty simple idea. But I've loved the... Uh, the different uses of reading materials and literature to spur on conversation on this show. There's a great book. You, you've probably seen this. Uh, it's been out for, for a little while now. Um, came out in 2021, so it's been out for a couple years. But Jeff Welsh is the author, and uh, this book is just called Montana Greats, From A. Absorki to Z. Zurich, The Greatest Athletes from 264 Montana communities. If you followed along here, we had this cool book, The 100 Greatest Athletes in American Sports History, but it was copyright 1954. So it was such a great and fun exercise in going through this book and seeing the, the, the sports figures like the Babe Ruths and the Joe Lewis's of the world that still resonate heavily today that are you know still part of the lexicon 
And then some of the other great sports figures from that time who had faded, but when you were reminded, you sort of remember. And then some of the ones we'd never heard of. This book is awesome because it highlights so many of the small communities uh, in Montana and the greatest athletes that have come out of each one. E- each passage is only a page long, uh, but so much great information in here. And we're joined now by the author of this book. We'll be reading this book uh, throughout the upcoming days and weeks and months, and probably it'll take us more than a year because there is 264 installments. So we'll just do one or two when we uh, when we have some time to, to spend on them. But Jeff Welsh, our guest now, joining us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Uh, longtime colleague, guy has been a sports writer around Montana for a really long time and a guy I've looked up to for a really long time. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us, man. First of all, great job on the book, and uh, we really appreciate you for contributing here. How you doing, man? Well, I'm doing pretty well, Coulter. It's uh, it's great to be on with you, and and congrats on your success, by the way, with your show. I think we'd agree that you know, whether it's newspapers, TV, radio, local is so important, and you guys do such a great job, and, and it's it's so important what you do. So. Uh, my hat's off to you, and I'm rooting for you. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And, I mean, as, as you know, as we've had throughout our conversations, we, we just love this, right, especially when it comes to highlighting the small-town uh, athletes, especially the high school kids. And you've done that here. I mean, most of these people in this book, no matter what sort of great heights they went on to after high school, their ties are where they're from, their hometown. So um, just take us through sort of the, the idea for this book, because it's a great idea, and uh, I've, I've loved going through this, but uh, where'd you first come up with this? Well, it's funny, you know, about five years ago, and you can imagine how many times I've driven from Bozeman to Helena in my role, and, you know, I would just pass by the exit along the Missouri River for Raidersburg, and it's right. a sign would say Raidersburg, nine miles. And one day, just on a whim, I decided to, to peel off and, and do those nine miles. And you know, I got into that town, and I quite literally went from one end to the other, very small, an old mining town, did not see a single person. Uh, but I got around and poked around, and it was really remarkable what I found out. And I mentioned this in the book, and that's that there was... You know, Myrna Loy, the actress, grew up there. Ulysses S. Grant had spent some time there. Wow. And there was a baseball player, a professional baseball player, who was born there more than a century ago named Cecil Elva Larry Duff, who lasted just a little longer than Moonlight Graham in the major leagues. But nonetheless, you know, when I, when I saw that, I was driving away, I began to think, you know, this can't be entirely unique to Raidersburg. There has to be a story like this for almost every tiny little town in Montana. You know, and I started turning over one rock after another after another, and it really turned out to be about a two-year labor of love at that point. And uh, so Montana Greats is the result of that. Well, it's such a great idea, and I think that this could be beneficial to sports fans around Montana for a variety of reasons. First of all, I think you're going to be reminded of a bunch of athletes that you, you once loved or maybe still love. You're also going to learn about maybe some athletes you haven't heard of, and you're also going to learn about some towns from around Montana that you might not have heard of either. I mean, I, I spent most of my life in Montana, and there's several towns in here I've never heard of either. I mean, we highlighted just one of the first entries here right off the top of the show while we were teasing your appearance. I never heard of Alzada, uh, Montana, so there's some cool ones. Was there any ones like that for you, any completely obscure places that you'd never actually heard of? Oh, you know, that's that's exactly right. You know, in fact, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time traveling the state, the state in my 20 years here. 
Uh, but I never heard of a place, for instance, called Willard, right. which is over, you know, in the eastern border with with uh, the, the South Dakota and uh, produced one of the great jockeys uh, ever, you know. And and this was kind of a theme that just, just continued on and on, again, as I would overturn one rock after another and then find out, too, that certain athletes that were considered connected to a, a larger town, you know, like Great Falls or, or Billings, uh, would, would actually be from a tiny little town outside of it. And, you know, initially, Coulter, the, the idea was to just do the towns with high schools, but right out of the gate, Raidersburg eliminated that. And then there was the problem of Jess Lockwood, the great bull rider, mm-hmm. who went to high school and brought us. But everybody knows him as a Volberg guy. Right. And so you're right, though. There are towns that I had that I had never heard of. <laughs> I love it. Jeff Welsh showed us here on Duan is now ESPN Radio. His book, Montana Greats, uh, it's on bookshelves around the state of Montana and elsewhere, too. Uh, from A to Z, the greatest athletes from 264 uh, Montana communities. But I, mean, I was thinking about exactly that, Jeff. I mean, the, the second entry in this book is about Casey McGowan from Alberton. So I'll just read this real quick. All around, an all-around athlete, McGowan was a high school All-American in both basketball and track. First in his hometown of Alberton, then in Missoula Big Sky, where he transferred for a better shot at fulfilling his dream of playing college hoops. Went on to play at the University of Montana, and early in his career also competed in track as a high jumper, earning the basketball team's most inspirational player in 1988 and 1989. McGowan finished his high school career with 1,943 points and averaged 21.6 points over the four seasons at Montana. He finished among the school's top 25 scorers. He now lives in the Seattle area. He works in financial services and also coaches youth basketball. I'm a Big Sky alum. I had no idea about that until I read the chapter because I just thought he was from Missoula. But I knew about Casey McGowan ever since I was first in high school because his records are still all over the Big Sky high school walls. I, mean, I think he still has the single season and career scoring average record, and I think he's the second leading scorer in the high school's history besides Larry Kristoviak, so pretty good company there. But I had no idea who's from Alberton. So that's that's sort of what we're getting at here, though, right? There are a lot of times, you know, you might have gone to high school in Missoula, but you're actually from 38 miles up the road. Well, that's right. And, and you know, and I'll throw out another name along the same lines. You know, the coaching legend, Pokey Allen. Sure. Well, he was from Superior. You know, he was the son of a, a state patrolman. And, and so... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of these guys who who were out in the sticks, and you know maybe to improve their lot, you know for high school they might have transferred to one of the bigger schools. But it, it's really remarkable the, the caliber of athlete and person that, that Montana uh, has produced over the years. It certainly is, and I think that that's what gives Montana sports such a great mystique. I think it really is revelatory for just the the way that we operate by and large. Uh, as people here in Montana, and it's sort of the work ethic ethos that exists in so many of us in so many of the small towns, which is awesome. Uh, we're kind of up against this, so just a couple more things for you. Jeff Welsh showed us here uh, on Nuanas Now. Um, what was the most challenging part of, of write, writing this book? Well, you know, the most challenging part was actually knowing when to stop. Right. Because <laughs> I, I, I just kept could have kept going. In fact, we'll have another edition of this before too long. And I've already got a couple of other names from some tiny little outposts. And, uh, you know, I just finally had to say enough is enough and we, we need to get this out there and we'll, this will just be an ongoing project. And, and the other thing is I would learn something about a particular athlete uh, and, and then keep, 
keep digging into the name and I would find out more and more and more. And again, I would, at some point I would just have to, to cut it off. There's only so many pages we could do. So, uh, but, but the entire way, as I said, it was a, it was a total labor of love and, and just so impressed with what Montana has produced. It was so fun. Well, some of the, the, uh, the certain little towns and then the athlete that comes from them, like I'm thinking of Casey Fitzsimmons, for example, is from, you know, population 800 Chester, Montana, or, or Chase Reynolds is from, right. you know, population 400 Drummond. Those guys went in the NFL and played in the NFL for seven, eight years. So, you know, th- those guys are probably slam dunks for the towns that they come from. W- do you have any memory of what was the most highly contested town, though? Was there one that had just a ton of great candidates when you were naming the best of the best from that place? Well, you know, it, it wasn't so much that there were a ton of candidates, although a place like Billings, Missoula, that's that's going to be tough. Right. But, you know, the, the, probably the most pushback I got was from from Glasgow. Mm. And, and that's be, yeah, and, and that's because the person I ended up picking, and it was important to note that there was something of an it factor that came along with this. So, you know, I picked a fellow named Steve Reeves, who was a bodybuilder. He was in the Tarzan. He was Mr. Universe, Mr. America. You know, uh, just one guy called him the, the Mr. America called him the, the greatest body God ever created. Well, there's also a tremendous athlete who was a Grizz named Roy Robinson, mm-hmm. who was from there. But I, I, I was happening to be fortunate enough to catch that his father was actually over at St. Mary, uh, the the military base up there that right. was abandoned. And so I could slide Roy Robinson up into St. Mary. But there were some people in Glasgow who uh, who resisted and resented that because to them, he was Glasgow. Steve Reeves grew up there. Uh, some of his ashes are scattered around Montana. He loved Montana, but they just didn't, didn't think that was appropriate. Jeff Welsh, the book Montana Greats, from A to Z, the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. I have some more stuff about this, so we'll continue this. Jeff will come back sometime during the fall here. We'll keep going through this book. Uh, how about, Jeff, I know a couple different ones that I want to uh, get some more insight on, so when we get there, we'll set something up with you. But thanks so much for being here today, man. I really appreciate it. You bet. Anytime. Really enjoyed it, Coulter. You take care. There you go, Jeff Welsh. He's worked in newspapers forever. He's, he's a sports writer I really look up to. He's a, he's a phenomenal writer, and uh, happy to have him uh, contributing here. 406MT Sports is the uh, the website for all those uh, guys' great work, but also uh, the Montana Greats is the book. Uh, from A to Z, the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. It's No Is Now, ESPN Radio. Get you set up for the rest of the week right after this. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues 
in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jschultilaw.com. I don't know why I get on some of these kicks, but uh, whenever I play this kind of music, like house dance music, I always get the funniest looks from Andrew when he's trying to find the songs on on, on the archives and uh, on the streaming to, to play for you. Welcome back. New on is now. ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT. I appreciate you for joining us uh, here on this Tuesday. If you missed anything in the show today, you can always find it on the podcast. Jam-packed show today. Allison Lawrence, Grizz Volleyball, Chris Chitavitsky, Grizz Soccer, Eric Barker, Grizz Football, our Treasure State Stars, Justin Angle, business professor at the University of Montana, and Jeff Welch, the author of Montana Greats, all joined us. You find all of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Our ESPN Roundtable features top 10 prep football storylines headed into the opening weekend of high school football, plus a bunch more, including Devin Davis, a cornerback for the Montana State Bobcats. We'll see you tomorrow. You want us now, ESPN Radio. Coulter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home and uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on and it was really surreal it was a cool moment cool experience for sure yeah, that's so cool you guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you but when people are looking up to you like they do I mean they think I mean you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana what's yeah. that like being a Montana kid um it's different for sure um you know growing up you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that but um you know it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids lives um you know, I just want to make sure uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.